Recorded live from a place where the lighting is always soft and your mascara never runs. This is Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Amy Stevens and my pronouns are she, her as well. This week we're airing episode number 69. Nice. Why did you say that, Penny? Say what? When I said 69. Nice. There, you did it again. Because that's what happens when someone says that number. It's reflexive. It's automatic. No, it isn't. Oh, yeah? <clears throat> Neil Armstrong walked on the moon on July 20th, 1969. Nice. The Minnesota Vikings' Jared Allen was the best football player to ever wear the number 69. Nice. See? See what? I'm proud of the fact that America put a man on the moon, and you know I'm a huge Vikings fan, don't you know? Hey Siri, what's 24 plus 45? It's 69. Nice! Wow, okay, I see what you mean. That's why I thought we'd lean into the number and make tonight's show about sex. Specifically transgender sex. And who better to have on our show than author, artist, publisher, and adult performer, Carta Manier. And our conversation with Carta starts right after the traditional music swell and fade out. Noise. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loony, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love, we do have expenses, and by going to TransformationThursday.com, they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content. Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure. I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I am Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. Hey, Penny, guess what? What, Amy? It's episode 69. Nice. This morning, true story, this morning I was uh, taking a walk with my pastor uh, because like, you know, like COVID, you got to do things. So we decided that we would, we would take walks together. And so I was talking to him, uh, Scott Austin, he was on our show too. And I was telling that like what we're doing today, because it was episode 69. And I just say episode 69. And my pastor says, nice. <laughs> so when, when I realized what day that is this auspicious occasion, I said, who better to have on our show to upside to, to, to celebrate show 69, then Carta Monier. Uh, Carta was on here before. We, we had talked to her about, she was like, uh, and I had told her this to herself, and she's on right now with us. Hello, Carta. Hello. Uh, 
I we I'm very like you are a very important person to me, even though we've never actually met. Um, very early on in my transition, I read an article you wrote about incorporating your disabilities into the fact that you were transgender and being okay with it. Uh, and I then I also bought a T-shirt from you, my uh, my that Amy also copied from me, the No Turfs T-shirt. <laughs> and and then um, you are also the author of a of a very fascinating zine called Napkin. In, in which you gave comment cards and performance cards to all of your sexual partners. And then you combine them into this 124 page, really fun and interesting zine called Napkin. Um, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be back. I'm very excited to have you. So can you tell me why you decided First off, to do the comment cards and then also how you put the zine together? Um, I think I started doing the comment cards because I thought it would be funny. Um, I, I, you know, I've seen those kind of cards at restaurants or hotels, like the how are we doing, please fill out like this sort of pre-made comment form. Yeah. And, and I thought it would be kind of funny to spring that on people because I was hooking up with a lot of people and I wanted to write about it and I wanted to find a way to, to get other people's input in my writing. So it wasn't just me asserting over and over like, oh yes, I'm very good at sex, you know? Apparently that is the case though. <laughs> I mean, uh, thankfully, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so it sort of started as, as a joke and then I printed off a bunch and started giving them to people and they were very well received. So I kept doing it. Yeah. Um, and, and just so people know, it's not just card after card after card. They're interspersed with uh, a little bit of graphic design and also some stories that you tell uh, about your sexual encounters. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and it's really well written and it's a lot of fun and they can, and they can get it this from the... I know it's not diskette. What is it called? Hard drive or hard? Oh, harder disk. Harder disk, yes, which is the- Unintended. Uh, uh, definitely, but yes, aim, uh, yes, Carta is a publisher and has a printing company, has a risograph machine, even tattooed on her upper arm. Mm -hmm. uh, and so she's able to publish her own work and it is available from harder press as well as t-shirts and things like that. So if you ever are interested in supporting a, a, a worthwhile transgender artiste, <laughs> uh, she can, uh, we will, we will provide the information for that too, as, as well with our, with our show. So yeah. Garrett, but how many, how many common cards have you received? I mean, how many have you given out? How many have you received? Great question. So I, I pretty much stopped handing them out after napkin because I, I didn't see like a big reason to yeah. continue the project. So everything that's in napkin is, is what I got. Um, there are probably like two dozen some I don't I don't fully remember no that's mm -hmm. fair and and so and so and, but I mean going through this some and one of the things we've been talking about too is you know being trans and sex and gender and all these things we all express these things differently in our sexuality and you know I'm, I'm reading right now off of page 18 and you know I'm also good at sucking girl cock I I just I I not I love that idea of that because you know it just shows how we identify with our genitalia is so different as trans people. Mm -hmm. 
It is true. Absolutely. It's not something that my own, and I was talking to, to Amy about this, I think it was just before we started, we were talking to you about too. My, my, my sexuality um, is, has always been an issue with me. Um, and it's always been very difficult for me to, to talk about and explore. <laughs> uh, and the first time I, because when we, when we had you on for the first time and I was like doing my background on you and I saw this, you had like a couple of the the, a couple of things available just to look at because I was considering buying it and downloading it just to, to see it. And I couldn't, cause it was, I couldn't really, it made me intensely uncomfortable mm-hmm. to, to read what you were, you were, you were saying. Um, because as I've said before to a lot of people, and I think even on here and even on stage, my sexuality has always been, I've always been interested in sex, but not as an a la carte option. Uh, and and your your zine was essentially just sex as an a la carte option, mm-hmm. which well I kept on telling myself that was not where I was. That was not the sort of person that I am. And I've always been very, um, you know, even as when I was when I was living as a man, I, I was married and divorced. I have children. Uh, I've had a, a number of sexual partners, not a lot, um, and, and even my most satisfying sex. Uh, as a man was was fraught with difficulty uh, and 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 very um, and, and 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 lots of self doubt and self recrimination and uh, the things that I needed to do in order to to have sex were uh, the amount of mental gymnastics were was 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 frustrating and and, and quite frankly exhausting and I kind of carried that idea over. Uh, and that idea that sex would be that difficult and that much that that hard and that much that uncomfortable for me as a woman until <laughs> i don't know should i tell this should i t- i think i think I, I think i need to tell it now there was a i was approached by by someone uh it, it, for strictly sex a, a much younger person than you a much younger man than me um and um, I said, yeah, well, let's just have coffee. Let's just, um, you know, just, just, just be friends, see if there's some compatibility. And, and, and he was like, yeah, sure, whatever, fine. And so um, like, I was on him like ugly on an ape. Like, what? I mean, like, I just, I, 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 I you know, I, I started having, like, I wasn't prepared for it. I like, I was not at all prepared. My body was apparently, but my mind wasn't. And I, and I found myself just like, okay, Penny, you just need to, 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 to shut your mind off for a while, which is something I never do. And just let my body take over and enjoy. And it was the absolutely best sexual experience that I had ever had. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely, and that was completely, not everything that I was doing was a, was a completely nothing that I'd ever done before, except for one time. Well, I, I, I gave this one guy a blowjob in the in my car just to get him out of my car. Uh, after just shortly after I had started transitioning, I started dating, and uh, um, and it was like behind a behind a, a warehouse next to a railroad track, uh, sort of thing where he's like, you know, it's like if. If you know, if, if I if I suck you off, will you leave? And apparently it was yes. So that was it. And even that was very satisfying in a way. So I, I, I've been discovering that uh, I'm I'm in, I'm I'm not the person 
that I said I was, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm still working through that as well. <laughs> and I think very selfishly, one of the reasons why I'm having you on here is just to, to, to hear you talk about yourself and your life and the way you've done things, because uh, it is in a lot of ways, very similar to both of us, but in a lot of ways, a lot different. And if that's okay, if, you know, we can talk about that with you. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not, not shy about it. Right. Would you be okay with talking about your, like, like you did at the beginning of, of, of the, of the zine about what your life was like growing up and, and how you came to your sexuality when you were presenting male? Is that, yeah. how, do you want, how do you want to say it? Presenting male, living as a man? I mean, how do, what is the best way for Either, you to- uh, Yeah, I don't, okay. I don't think I have a, a preferred way to, to talk yeah. about it, I guess. All right, so. Um, yeah, so I grew up um, quite religious. Um, Amen. And very uh, scared of my own sexuality. Um, and also like in a house with a lot of pornography. So, um, from a very young age, I was looking at porn, like pretty obsessively, um, like well before I could get sexually aroused, you know, it was just sort of an adult thing to do. Um, so as I grew up, like I knew a lot about sex in some ways and nothing about sex in a lot of ways, um, and was very, very scared of it and very convinced that like my desires were evil um, and mm. that any action taken towards having sex would be evil. Um, I did, despite myself, end up having sex before marriage um, a fair amount with like, you know, like one partner. Um, and uh, as I, write about in uh, napkin like I don't have like a lot of particularly good memories of the sex and it's not that it was like capital B bad um it's just that I dissociated through basically all of it like my only goal was to do like a good job to last a long time you know like to be sort of an adequate partner um, but always feeling like something was missing and like disappointment and, you know, mentally cataloging, um, other things during sex, you know, focusing on the carpet or the wall or the calendar or whatever. Um, and then I got married. I got straight cis married, um, to my partner who is, um, a trans masculine person so we kind of switched after the fact okay so just pressing pause here so uh you were you got married as a man and your partner got married as a woman and then you both uh uh revealed that you were transgender Is right that... neither of us had um like at that at the point that we got married and we'd been dating for several years we we started dating in 2011 um, so at the point that we got married, uh, neither of us was even considering the option that we were trans, like neither of us was out to ourselves. It wasn't like we both had a secret. Um, or if we did, it was secret even to ourselves, hmm. you know, um, at the time that I got married, I was actually kind of relieved, like, oh, thank goodness, this proves that I'm like a normal <laughs> straight man and like I can put all of this sort of questioning behind me 
um, and anxiety around sex behind me because like now I'm doing this normal thing that everybody understands, you know? Right. Um, so uh, after I came out um, and sort of had like the mind blowing mental adjustment of like, oh, now when I have sex, I'm having sex as a woman. And like, that is like a, it's an interesting hurdle to get over. Like, especially early in transition, and, and I'm sure that both of you have had this kind of experience, like convincing yourself that, that something has changed or that there's sort of a different framing, even if you're having sex with the same person, um, it's like a big mental step, like getting to that point where you're like, yes, I am actually a woman. Like right now in this moment, I am a woman. And, um, I, think, and I think for some partners that's hard though, because you know, you're, you're in a different situation, but you know, I, you know, one of my first partners after I transitioned and after my divorce, you know, is a cis, you know, cis head, you know, not heterosexual, but she's lived as heterosexual, but then she ended up dating me. And, but then there's this also some expectations from people that aren't familiar with transgender people and in our intimacy that figure, well, you have that equipment, it should work like a dude's, but right. it doesn't. So how, I mean, so you're both in this space navigating this together. Mm -hmm. And like, I was very, very lucky. Like uh, my spouse from the beginning was, you know, really game for whatever and very flexible. And I mean, like something I write about in the book and something they're open about is that like the longer we've been married, the more they've realized that they're not a terribly sexual person you know they're they're not um particularly interested in um the physical act of having sex which is fine you know like it's it's a um a personal preference thing right like it everybody has like different levels of of comfort um so slowly we sort of like flirted with the idea of opening things up because um I'm very sexual and my partner is not and that was putting a lot of pressure on both of us in different ways what is what how do, how would you define opening up I mean what did that oh mean opening up is in like you know considering um you know dating or sleeping with other people in okay. my case yeah so more of a polyamorous type of relationship exactly exactly okay. um like my my spouse is my primary partner and my you know we live together and is my priority and that is something that you know definitely differs from some people's approach to polyamory um i am not a no hierarchies polyamorous person like i I'm very like on, on the record about like, if my spouse wanted to completely pull the plug on everything, you know, like we should go back to being monogamous. Like it would be hard, but like, I would take that very seriously. Um, so uh, yeah, we, we flirted with the idea of opening up and honestly, it ended up being really good for both of us because it took a ton of pressure mentally off my spouse who was like worried that they weren't satisfying me. Um, and it took a lot of pressure off me because I felt like I was um, asking, you know, too much or 
being like that my desires were were too much um and also it was hard for me because other people had started seeing me as an attractive woman which is something I had previously not experienced you know before coming out right and were hitting on me and that was such a mind-blowing experience um and it was very difficult for me to be in a position where I could not even consider saying yes um so it just made everything seem all the more charged and difficult and through opening up it gave me the ability to say no much more easily because all of a sudden and I I write about this in napkin but all of a sudden like if the quote-unquote worst thing that can happen is I sleep with this person which is something that like I can do if I want to, then there's not like this charged element anymore. Um, I can, um, I can make the decision based on whether or not I'm actually interested. That has to be an interesting change in, in the relationship though, and how you both evolve and work through that. And it's, I think that's very brave. And so how do you have those conversations with each other to get to this point? Um, It was a slow process and it was very much a sort of trying things incrementally um, around the time that uh, we were sort of talking about like, well, let's see how it feels if if maybe we open up. Um, I, uh, I had a friend who was very interested in me and so you know through talking to my spouse I was like well maybe if it's okay with you I'll try kissing them and then you know come home and say okay I made out with them and now here I am and we're still married and nothing is different you know does this feel okay and it did you know like I think that the initial worry was very much like will you love me less or will this change our marriage in some way where like I'll no longer feel like I'm an important part of your life um but it didn't you know like for me those are very sort of separate feeling things were were you prepared mentally for it to go the other way though I mean it was something that no matter what happened I was ready to talk about it and like that's why it sort of happened slowly. You know, I didn't become like a sex monster right away. <laughs> um, it was call you a monster though. <laughs> machine, right. sex machine. Sex that's machine. machine right that's away. what James Brown said. So, I mean, obviously, you know, right. Right. Um, like initially it was like, there was this one friend who was very, very interested. And so, um, like I, I kissed them and then I went over to their house and I gave them a blow job. And, you know, like in, in each case, I would then come home and be like, this is what I did, you know, does this feel okay, etc. And it was sort of like this gentle thing with the, the knowledge that at any point my spouse could say, actually, this is too much. Like this is um, making me feel bad in ways I didn't anticipate. But in fact, the opposite ended up being true. Like my spouse, the way that they talk about it sort of immediately started feeling like, oh, actually this is kind of a relief. <laughs> like now, you know, they know that like, if I really want 
to have sex or whatever, um, I can just go do that. And there's not some sort of like big unseen societal pressure for them to, to do the right thing, you know, to jump on that grenade, um, which I don't want either. You know, I, I don't want to have sex with someone who's not totally feeling it, you know, yeah. like. Our, our society uh, has such gigantic hangups about sex. I was, honestly, I was, I was doing a, just before Christmas, I did like this thing called the story behind the story about a Charlie Brown Christmas. And I brought this up in, in context of the Charlie Brown Christmas, the fact that there are so many things about sex and sexuality that number one, everybody wants to do and everybody is involved with and everybody is interested in, but they are never able to talk about it. And everything is always kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I mean, there were like, especially in the sixties, there were television characters whose entire reason for being on the show was to get laid. Right. And, and yet you could not ever even mention the fact that there was sex. So, and that is a reflection of where much more of where our, our society has been from this puritanical viewpoint where uh, sex is inviolate and it must only be done um, only be done in, in in a marriage bed and even uh, the the person who, who who coined the terms homosexuality and heterosexuality believed that both were diseases were diseases of the mind that having sex for pleasure with your married partner was a sin if you're only if the only you, you you fuck for family and that was it Right. Was, was kind of the viewpoint and so that's and and that without actually stating the opposite is often the way people ap approach sex and sexuality in our society today still mm -hmm. so the 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 amount of amount of uh, emotional work it is to do and the amount of bravery that you have to have to even with your partner say listen i want to talk about sex and where i am and my sexuality with you it, to me, it feels like, I mean, I, I remember trying to do that with my ex and having her like say yes and then finding out later on, no, that's not what she wanted after all. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so, so that reaching for honesty, I'm just really happy for you. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I say this a lot, but like, I just feel so deeply lucky. And like with, with my spouse, like we had just already gone through so many big changes together, you know, in terms of, um, my coming out and then my mother dying and all of this like horrible stuff happening with both our families and like just everything about where we started in our relationship had changed you know like nothing was consistent except our love for each other you know um, so I think that maybe made it easier to consider this other big change to the structure of our relationship where um, it felt like, okay, well, is this really that much bigger a deal than like me coming out as a woman and like totally alienating every member of both of our families? Like probably not. Right? Did you like, did you transition first or did, or did they, or did? I did, I okay. did. Um, and then uh, like a year and a half, two years later, they um they came out so but real quick going back to the sex part with you know as you start walking down this road and you and you you know your friend or they i you know we're keeping this pretty general for obvious reasons but as you start exploring with them 
I'm also sensing relief from your spouse because if they have a different sex drive than you, but they still love you and they still care for you, am I am I interpreting that right? Like, is there some sort of relief there that, you know, Carta can get what she wants, but I can still get all the love and attention I want at home, but it's not going to be the pressure to have sex and perform. Right. Absolutely. Like, we still have such an intimate relationship. Like, very intimate. And I would say romantic and I would say sexual is just like a different type, you know, um, like something about being in a, a T for T long-term relationship is that like dysphoria, especially ebbs and flows. And like, there are times where my spouse like just doesn't want to be perceived, you know, like in, in a lot of ways. And like, that makes sense to me, you know, like that, that doesn't feel like a slight against me. How was it for, for them to have, to, to tell them, I not only want to have sex with all of these people, but I want to catalog it and put it in a publication. I uh, think at the, at that point, like, so I had already started having quite a lot more sex. I had been hooking up with people. I had um, seen some people through like Grinder, um, and so I think you know like they're very familiar with my artistic process and so at the I had been talking about like wouldn't it be funny if I did comment cards or whatever and then I printed the comment cards and then I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing this I think and I think for them it was like yeah that makes sense you know <laughs> like um, I had them fill one out like uh it is theirs in the is theirs in the in the book yeah absolutely okay i i still haven't read the entire book i'm still going through it again it's it's not very easy for me to go and and, and read the entire the entire zine <laughs> and it, because now when i was doing it uh before when before we started doing this and before we did our first show with you uh, I was looking at it and it would make me intensely uncomfortable. And now it's making me intensely aroused. <laughs> I've heard I, both I, things from people. Like I've, I've had a lot of people tell me that they need to read it pretty slowly. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, uh, I can only, I can only do so much. And it's like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really no longer as, 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 as a trans woman, I'm really uh, no longer interested in, in masturbation the way I used to be. Um, and, uh, like I say on my, on my Twitter profile, my penis is the least interesting part of me. And, um, <laughs> even when I was, even when I was presenting as a man, I really was not all that in, not all that, uh, interested in having people touch my penis, even including me. Um, so now it's like, I, I just, and also I'm just like intensely busy right now. So like I really don't have time to go back <laughs> And my kids are, it's a small house and I'm with my, my kids are living here. And so uh, the, you know, the dog ate my homework and my tux is like excuse, excuses. So I just like eat, I just read a little bit at a time and uh, like an after dinner mint, you know? Right. Sort of thing. And, so I'm, and then I'm just waiting for the meal, quite frankly. No, that, that makes sense. I mean, like it, I know a lot of, trans people obviously and like people have such different relationships to genital dysphoria and like their own um 
comfort, you know, with, with their, their genitals. And like, for me, like my biggest bottom dysphoria uh, came from having testicles. And so like getting an orchiectomy pretty much took care of that for me. Um, Me too. Yeah. The club. It was, it was great. And like, um, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Highly recommended to anyone listening who might want one. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. But uh, also like I take low dose uh, Cialis every day, um, which yeah. if, if listeners aren't familiar is like, it's like Viagra. It's a, an erectile dysfunction medication um, is how it's usually prescribed. But like, yeah, the other thing that would give me bottom dysphoria was not being able to get hard when I wanted to, feeling like I had sort of like um, no ability to show my partners physically that I was aroused. Um, So through getting an orky and through taking low-dose Cialis every day, like I feel very good about what I have going on and like um it's pretty much taken care of any bottom dysphoria that I have but I know that experiences vary wildly when it comes to that stuff yeah and you know but even though you're on low dose Cialis and you can still physically show your partners that you're attract that you're oh gosh you're what's the word am I looking for that you're turned you're, on aroused turned on aroused I mean words words escape Amy today um but the, the funny but the great thing about that is is you know is we're reading through your easing and you know and as I was reading through but you also have gotten to a point too where you're not just going to have sex for the sake of having sex that you know how to say no that you know how to have the sexual experiences that are important to you so how do you how do you walk through that process that's hard. I mean, um, I, I write about this in napkin a little bit and I'm, I'm working on kind of an informal sequel right now. Um, and really expanding on these ideas, but like, uh, I think for a lot of queer people, when they come out, there is this huge internal pressure, you know, like coming, coming from themselves, um, to not say no, like, someone is finally finding me attractive in the way I want to be found attractive. And if I say no to them, I'm like turning down the only opportunity I'll ever have. And it would be rude and it would be a huge mistake. You know, like, I think a lot of people have trouble saying no um, to sort of an expectation of, of sex. Um, and I certainly did, and to an extent still do, um, it's, it's difficult. And like, it's something I've been working on a lot, especially in a pandemic when you need to have boundaries, you know, like, um, earlier in the pandemic when it still felt less, um, terrifying (laughs) slightly, um, I was still, um, occasionally hooking up with people you know like we're all isolated in our house we don't go out and then I would get a a test and the other person would get a test and then I would go see them assuming the test came out um and like those are boundaries that you need to be very inflexible on 
Um, but I still had trouble, you know, like once in a while someone would say, oh, my test didn't come back, but like, I'm pretty sure that, you know, like I don't have any symptoms or whatever. And like, it was one time I, I wasn't able to say no, you know, like I didn't feel capable. And then I felt like really intensely awful and guilty afterwards. And like, I've gotten better at at, you know, being firm in my own boundaries instead of like being hyper fixated on other people's expectations and like for, desires. Yeah, for the record, I'm, I was exactly the opposite. I would not say yes to anybody. So, <laughs> yeah, and I have a, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no I'm done with that. That's it. I just, you know, it's like you're saying, oh, that this intense pressure to say yes. It's like, no, I'm not. First off, um, you know, I had people have asked me if I'm going to get bottom surgery and I say, I'm not going to get a vaginal see for the same reason our hermit doesn't buy, build a guest room. You know, it's like, why do it if no one's using it? Um, so it, it's, it's, so it's entirely different for me than it is for mm -hmm. you, but I understand that because I do, I do get the pressure. I do get it all the time. I, 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 I will even now if on like different dating apps or I'll like send somebody a message that's like, who's like in their profiles, I just, I want to get to know somebody first and I want to have a lasting marriage. And they're like, yes, me too. And they say, I've always wanted to fuck a tranny. <laughs> That's their response to me. It's like, you know, not even like, hello. It's just like, like and then it's like, why, why are you not, you know, it's like that, that idea, you know, so I think that there's that idea of being able to be sexual and be a human being at the same time. And that just mm -hmm. because we are transgender, we are not a fetish. That's yeah. I mean, part of that, and this is a little bit of a non sequitur, but like part of that experience is why when I extremely occasionally sleep with cis men, I pretty much exclusively, and not even pretty much, I exclusively have only slept with gay cis men or bisexual cis men because my experiences with straight cis men have not been positive in any sort of flirting zone. And like with gay men um, or men who have experienced sucking dick or whatever, I'm less concerned that they are going to freak out or be super weird about the fact that um, I have one. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but that also gets into this idea of download dating too, I mean, you know, that that's also very dangerous, I think, for a lot of trans women, you know, I've, I've spoken Down, to some download dating. Yeah, where, you know, you have a straight guy, but he wants to on the down low, you know, oh, oh down, oh, down low. low. I thought you were saying download, like, you know, like, oh, you know. Well, it's that accent thing coming out again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, it's, let's go get some Lutfisk then, Amy. It's always about the, the accent, but, you know, but, you know, but download dating, you know, either, you know, for somebody, you know, let's just say, you know, I've had this experience, you know, before the pandemic started where I got hit on at a bar after a comedy show. And, you know, this guy's like, well, I want to, you know, I've always wanted to do this kind of quietly and date a trans woman. But it's like, yeah, but this is dangerous for us and it's dangerous. Right. So, I mean, I would imagine there's a comfort level that goes, you know, and you, you already alluded to it. So, I mean, you're also trying to put yourself in a safer position by avoiding straight men. Yeah, absolutely. And also like, I, you know, um, before we started recording, um, 
we talked a little bit about like how we self ID sexually. And I said that like, I feel sort of globally gay, you know, like all encompassingly gay. And like, if pressed, I would usually describe myself as a lesbian because that's where like the huge bulk of my like attraction lies is, is women. Um, but like, um, you know, when I sleep with gay men, I feel like I'm engaging in, in like, you know, the faggot tradition. <laughs> like I- um, A tradition like no other. Yeah, like no other, absolutely. Like, you know, I'd, um, I don't top men. Like I don't top cis men specifically. Um, and like for cis gay men, it's like, if we're going to have sex, I'm going to bottom in some way. And that also is like a safety thing. You know, I don't have, my desire to just not go that way. That's perfectly valid. And it's actually, it's pretty safe too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, I also wanna, we, we, you also just used the word faggot tradition. And I, and I wanna say for a lot of our cis um, counterparts out there, I think that's okay for us to reclaim some of this language and some of this, you know, you know, like queer faggot. And, you know, it's one thing when we're talking about it, you know, amongst ourselves and we're sharing this for education purposes. This isn't something to be used as a slur back towards us. This is no, I mean, like, I feel completely comfortable saying the word faggot because like that is <laughs> if someone shouts something at me on the street it's going to be faggot right or tranny like i i think like as as trans people as a whole we sort of like get a real uh, smorgasbord of of slurs thrown at us and i know it's it's the same for trans masculine people you know like faggot, dyke, tranny, like any and all, depending on the perception of the person who's hurling the insults. It's a rough, it is definitely, yeah, we are, we are everybody's target. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was one of the, that was one of the things that really surprised me when I, when I transitioned is the, the amount of transphobia in the LGBTQ community. So yeah, I am all for claiming words and claiming space uh in, in there and especially with language and using phrases like faggot um it, it's perfectly fine i'm i'm you know and i've I've, I've I've had a lot of conversations with older gay men about the word queer mm -hmm. because they don't like it and i'm like i don't care um <laughs> you know it is it is it is very much it is an incredibly useful word to use. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of LGBTQIAIAEIEIOLOLROFL. It's like, it's, it, it just, it just feels like it's factionalizing inside an already uh, factionalized minority. And like, it's, you know, we're under the rainbow umbrella, but you can only stand under whatever particular shade of mm -hmm. rainbow that you belong in. And, and queer is just, it just encompasses all of us. And, yeah, and queer is, I it's really very like useful. And like, also like that battle has already been, you know, there's queer studies programs. Like I, I feel like it's pretty established. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and uh, Carla, we want to talk to you a whole bunch more, uh, but we want to want to like take a little break here. And so that when we come back, we're going to change the focus a little bit.
Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to just take a little, a very short break here, and we'll be right back with our next segment with Carter Manure. This is Transformation Thursday. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to transformationthursday.com and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. And please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at TransThursPod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google podcast or wherever you get your podcasts on apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a short review it's free and it does help get transformation thursday out to a larger audience finally transformation thursday is copyrighted material all rights reserved 2020 Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm gonna read a little something here, uh, very little. It says, when you open this book, you're opening my legs. I trust you. And that's those are the very first words inside Napkin, the zine that was put out by the very popular and very fascinating Carter Manier, who was our guest today on Transformation Thursday. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. And I'm still Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are still she, her. You know, as we were talking in the break there, Carta and I, um, well, Penny went off to um, take care water of the plants. Water take, the yeah, plants. Water the plants. Uh, <laughs> Carter and I had a little special conversation. I want to bring that back up. So I'm, I might just ask Penny to mute herself because this is a, this conversation for Carter and I. I mean, okay. Just kidding, Penny. I mean, you're running the meeting, so you don't have to mute yourself. But we're but you mentioned in the first segment there, um, trans for trans relationships, and that that's a really special place that I don't think a lot of people really understand the significance of them and. You know, I find myself right now in the spot where I am seeing a trans woman and it is, there's some really interesting things I'm discovering about that. So, I mean, how, how have you walked through that space with your, with your partners? I mean, it's been so, it's really special. I think the thing about like T for T relationships is that like, you don't have to explain nearly as much you know you have like a baseline of understanding um and shared experience that is extremely important and useful um you know you don't have to explain concepts like i am feeling dysphoric or i am dissociating or oh that made me feel bad in a way i can't quite explain or whatever I just um, want to press pause here. You use the phrase, you use the word dissociate twice. And just, I know that not everybody who listens to this is, is, sure. is familiar with that term. So if you'd explain it. Yeah. So dissociating um, would be when you sort of um, are overwhelmed mentally because of um, being triggered or um, feeling like uh, something is is off, but you can't quite put your finger on it. And so you you zone out essentially. Um, like yeah, for, uh, yeah, for me, oh, it's always like, like that's for me, it's like uh, I, I'm observing myself like I'm observing somebody else. Right. Like like I'm watching a movie or something like that. And it's not really even happening to me. Um, but yeah, like. T for T is, is extremely, extremely special. And I mean, just, um, I think a lot about 
you know, trans writers I like, um, like Casey Plett or Tori Peters um, or Imogen Binney. And the way that they write about that feeling of like familiarity and comfort in being with someone who has a body that's similar to yours um, and has gone through experiences similar to yours. Like there's something just extremely powerful about it and intimate about it. Like the first time I touched a trans woman, um, a trans woman's dick, like it just felt so completely special to me because it felt like touching my own body, you know, like it, there's nothing quite like that feeling. Wow. That's, um, that's not something that I, I I'd ever even con considered. Um, I don't really ever consider sex at all. Um, so I'm trying to get past that. So that the way you've described that is very, very special and like possibly the most romantic thing that I've ever heard. You should definitely read um, Casey Plett's work if you haven't before. Um, Casey writes really, really beautifully about, um, especially like trans women who are dating other trans women. Um, and uh, just some of some of her descriptions of, of T for T romance are very, very, you know, lingering and beautiful. I'll have to look that up. So yeah, uh, so where, and, and are you, when you're talking about T for T, it sounds to me like you're talking trans woman for, for trans woman, uh, but also specifically in your relationship, it's also uh, trans woman to, for trans masculine as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah. is, there, is there a similarity of, uh, of, of, um, what's, of experience or, or commun commun communality? Yeah, I mean, like dating another trans person, even if they don't have the, you know, the same designated gender at birth, um, is always going to be special, you know, like, there's always going to be some amount of shared experience and, and shared familiarity with like, just the feeling of not being completely comfortable in your own body, you know, um, in my case, like, I really, like, I love dating trans men. Like, I've dated several trans men, and, like, trans men are, like, the only men who I feel romantically towards. You know, cis men, I will occasionally fuck. Trans men, I can feel, like, true, deep romantic feelings towards. And, like, um, it's because there's that shared experience and understanding of what it means, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things you said in there while I regathered my thoughts and my emotions here is, you know, you know, there's this level of comfortableness, as you're alluding to, about not having to explain dysphoria, disassociation, also understanding, you know, that, you know, as you get to know somebody in a relationship and you start to explore their bodies and understand how they react and but being able to have these conversations about dysphoria and disassociation in those settings is extremely personal, vulnerable space that needs to be handled 
very delicately. And, you know, and those are, you know, those are important conversations that are real and need to take place because, you know, let's, I'll be on, you know, Penny disclosed a little bit about her. You've been disclosing, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in this middle ground. It's like, I still, I'm going to have gender confirmation surgery. I'm not super dysphoric about the equipment that I have, but I'm also really looking forward to it's being repurposed to what I really want it to be. And so mm -hmm. I'm in this really strange middle ground. Reduce, reuse, and recycle, Amy. Is that what you're telling us? Well, there's not much reduction to go on. <laughs> <laughs> but, but. You know, but also, you know, you know, forget, you know, as I'm, as I'm seeing, you know, you know, the, the woman that I'm seeing right now, these are, these are important conversations that we both have to have because we're in a little, even though we've been transitioning about the same amount of time, we're still in some different places regarding mm -hmm. our bodies and how we approach them. So, you know, being very straightforward and honest with each other has been, you know, to me, the secret sauce that makes this so special. Absolutely. Yeah. The honesty is the thing that, that, um, that is both attractive and frightening about all of these conversations. I, you know, I, like you, I grew up in uh, a functionally religious, uh, like, you know, household where, you know, there was a lot of talk about it, but they really about religion and about God, but there was a, that there wasn't any God at all. Mm -hmm. And there was very, there was sexuality. The, the, the first conversation that my mother had with me about sex was uh, that women do not like sex. God. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, as, and, and I'm, so that was like, you know, since I, I knew from a very early age, that I was actually, you know, I knew that I was transgender before transgender was a word. Uh, so I was like, well, then, then I can't be a woman because damn, I want to have sex. Right. Uh, so it's, it's just been, it's, it's been such a hard road for me to, to, to deal with and such a difficult path for me to, to admit that I am sexual, uh, that I'm a sexual being and I'm interested in this in any way, shape or form. Uh, and I think that's a lot of people. A lot of people, it's like the, the, uh, the, one of the things about being with a trans, uh, a, a transgender woman is, is the naughtiness of it. That's, okay. that's, that's a big part of it. And uh, trying to find uh, enjoyment and pleasure sexually uh, in an open and honest relationship is quite, so, quite frankly, something that I'm not really, I've never experienced ever. So this is all going to be very hard. I'm trying to unpack something here. So when you say naughtiness, are you saying naughtiness from like cis people who are yes. in relation? Okay. All right. I wasn't sure. Yeah. The fact that even, you know, like why people cheat and don't talk about it, the, the American Western British society, their entire view of sexuality is the ribaldness, you know, all the, all the right. things that you do. And they're all supposed to be, you know, and that's half of the fun, half of the, or, or, or most of the attraction to sex is the fact that you're not supposed to be doing it. You're not supposed to be enjoying it. That's what fetishes really are. It's like something that is, that, that you're so fixated on that the only way you can get off is by, by paying attention to it. Uh, that's, that, that to me is all the, the naughtiness of it. 
Well, and that's funny you mentioned that, like the fetish side of it, because, you know, we've discussed this before. I've identified in my life in my 20s, which is, Carta, I'm really, I'm I'm a little bit younger than Penny, but we're still Everybody old. Everybody is. <laughs> but, but in the 90s, when I was in college, some of the best sex that I had with, you know, the partner I had at that time, um, who ended up being my first wife, you know, for me involved, you know, you know, black, you know, me cross-dressing and <laughs> having more of that sexual experience from a female perspective and letting her take charge. And that's kind of been a trend in, not kind of, it's been a trend <laughs> in both marriages. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder sometimes, especially, you know, in more recent times without trying to jump into too many different heads because only head I really know is mine and I'm still don't know myself very well but but I think you know Penny's point here also is that tabooness is if if being trans wasn't so taboo if having sex with a trans person wasn't so taboo or even gay sex or sex in general Would there be less stigma around partners sticking with their transgender partners as they start to come out? I mean, you find oh, your no doubt. In- yeah. And no, so- I mean, like when when I came out, um, my in-laws immediately wanted us to get divorced. You know, like they were really horrified by the idea that their you know son-in-law <laughs> was. Like a a sex pervert weirdo, right? Oh my god, yeah. Um, and it, you know, I think that's a pretty common thing. Like for my spouse, there was never any question because, like, the whole time we had been in such open dialogue. You know, like I think people have the perception when one partner in a marriage comes out as trans that the other partner like walked in on them one day wearing their underwear you know like it's like the shameful secret that's been going on for years um Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like that and it was something that you know we talked about the whole time and whatever um and that was I think inconceivable to a lot of people outside our um marriage or experience you know that they assumed that there was something sexy and weird and uh, perverse going on. Yeah, people, you know, the the, the number of times I've had to explain that, no, the reason I became, the reason I transitioned was not because of sex. Right. You know, I I, I like sex, but I, but it's not, and I've even, and I've talked about this, I even had a guy uh, one time, a, a gay man at a, at a public function that was at the local LGBTQ center look at me and say you're very masculine why don't you just be a gay man you'd have more sex you know and that, and that was that you know that was like <laughs> such a I know really it's like what do you say to that you know other than not even fuck you because that, that's what I think he's that's what he wants right um, yeah so yeah but it but that idea of trying to get past that that you can be a sexual being as a transgender person where the trans the, the transgenderness is not necessarily the reason why you're talking about transgender t for t sex uh, as you were talking about it and my my thought was how how does how will this play with the cisgender audience that's that that you know that that hears this because will it will it just 
tell them that oh everything that i knew that i thought about the trannies was true because here here's a tranny talking about it this way and <laughs> i mean honestly the stereotype it is like oh well if if trans people like why don't trans people have sex with each other you know like and like the the thing is like we all do <laughs> like <laughs> like that's yeah. The sort of yeah go ahead amy no i was just gonna say even when i was dating a, a cisgender woman you know over a year ago i had i had somebody in the fire department i was still in the i was still a volunteer firefighter you know and and when they were drinking at the club and he's like oh well how do you have sex and i'm like well, what do you mean right he's like well well you're you're you have a girlfriend i'm like yeah i'm like how do you have sex i'm like and, and, and well he he and then the follow-up question, well, what is she? I'm like, she's fucking human, you idiot. <laughs> I mean, in, in a couple of guys at the end of the bar were like, you know, just told the guy to shut up, you know, because they knew that we all knew the question he was trying to ask, you know, right. he's trying to fish and figure out if she's trans. It's none of your fucking business. And so, you know, when he asked me, go, well, how do you have sex then? And I'm like, well, let me ask you a question. How do you have sex with your wife? Right. Like, that's none of your business. I said, touche. You know, and he, and he, but he was at least he realized it, he acknowledged it, and he apologized, and we moved right. on. And so he realized the intrusive question. I mean, but I wasn't going to answer it. That's like asking, you know, what what are you packing in your pants? Why right. did you know? It, for some of us, that's an okay question, but for many of us, that's not an okay question. For me, that's not an okay question. I'm not going to be having that conversation with somebody that I meet on a date. You shouldn't bring that up to me right away right after we meet yeah i mean like there's there's like definitely an etiquette that needs to be followed and like if you wouldn't ask this question to a cis person mm -hmm. it's not okay to to spring it on a trans person um i had to go through this with with my um family when i came out you know like so many older family members, you know, closer to my mom's age, took me aside and asked, you know, concerned, essentially, like, wouldn't my spouse leave me because I, I, I wanted to get rid of my dick, you know, like, they were making a lot of assumptions, but they were like, if you can't, if you can't fuck your spouse with your dick, like, don't you think they're going to leave you? And, you know, I just got really good at being kind of confrontational and saying like okay so like if your husband was in an accident at work and his penis was chopped off um are you telling me you'd immediately get divorced and no of course not well you know like this isn't even that like this is nothing bad has happened to me why are you making this assumption <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Everything is sex. Like I was saying before, you can only you, you you're always going to be. It's always going to be assumed, but it's never going to be brought up. I mean, like it's it's true. There are plenty. I mean, like this is outside. I think a lot of cis people's imagination, but like there are plenty of trans women I know who use a strap on. You know, like they don't feel comfortable with the their like flesh and blood penis, or they're not able to get it up, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um. It takes a lot of pressure off you, you know, like it's, it's great. 
But the other thing about that too is there are ways to have orgasms. There are ways to have pleasurable sex. There are ways to do things with our bodies that don't involve a penis going into a vagina or some other part of the body. Absolutely. And also redefining what an orgasm is, or even that the orgasm is the most important part of sex. That was one of the parts in napkin that I was really kind of, I really got a lot of seeing is how many of the, the, the comment cards where the question was, did you orgasm? And the answer was, their response was no. But then on the backside, it was like, this was the best sex I've ever had. Eh? Carta is, a, is, is an amazing human being. You know, 10 is like there, she was fantastic. I, I love her. She's fantastic. I want to do this again. And for me, when I was presenting as a man, my like the end, the end result was like, you know, me having to come. Right. And that was always so difficult for me that I always made sure that my partner was satisfied in other ways, uh, so much so that I barely paid any attention to myself. Again, partially because I really, you know, I was I was playing the wrong role at that time. So, right. It was it was just very annoying and very frustrating. And so I'm really I'm I'm really looking forward to more to to being more like you, Carta in my in, in my in my sexual encounters it's and fun and I mean like yeah really letting go of that feeling that either person needs to come you know like being on on feminizing hormones and this is different for trans men you know like largely speaking testosterone this is very broad but testosterone makes it easier for people to come like I know a lot of trans men who um suddenly become like extremely multiply orgasmic taking tea which is rad it's super cool Yay for um, them. but for a lot of trans women you know being on hormones makes it more difficult if not impossible to have an orgasm and so like a lot of having sex with trans people for me is like letting go of that expectation and making it clear to my partner like I am here to have a nice time I might not come there are plenty of times when I don't come and like you might not come either. And like, I am not going to be weird about that. You know, like I'm not going to to be like, oh, aren't you having a nice time? You know, like, yeah. because like the, I know plenty of people and I have like sexual partners who are not able to orgasm um, or have never orgasmed. And like that is something that people have enough of a complex about without their partner being weird about it, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, it's, it's a byproduct of a goal-oriented society. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why do we do this? Because you, something has to be finished. Something has to be accomplished. There's a, a mark that's got to be checked off a list. There's got to be a task to complete always. And you cannot just sit back and enjoy yourself is, I think, missing in American society it needs to be addressed more. And if it's going to be us trans women fucking other trans women in order to do it, I'm willing to fall on that <laughs> board or not, as the case may be. Well, and I think there's also a big difference between coming, at, especially what we once maybe did before we started HRT mm -hmm. and the orgasms that we now experience as trans women, as we learn to discover our bodies and what we enjoy sexually. Absolutely. And and that's a hard concept for people. To or understand. not as the case may be. Well, yeah, but that's a hard concept for some people that, you know, this goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, if you've never dated a trans woman before and you've been in your cisgender woman who's primarily dated men and then your partner doesn't come or doesn't orgasm the way mm -hmm. 
that's a frustrating conversation just speaking from experience it is i um i had sex with a cis woman earlier this year much earlier this year as it turns out or i mean last, last year. year yeah 2020 pre-pandemic um where uh she went down on me um and i came in her mouth and she didn't realize and she kept going down on me and then looked up extremely frustrated and said why can't i get you to come <laughs> and i had to be like oh i did you know like i came really hard actually but she was expecting like an ejaculation which I barely, you know, like I don't have testicles anymore. Yeah. Like the most that comes out is like, I guess it's probably prostatic fluid, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. Sometimes something comes out, but not much. Like, For me, the most that comes out is a scream, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, like, like you were saying, the orgasm is entirely different with, you know, mm -hmm. with, with, with an orchiectomy and you've said it too. It is, and, and the first time I experienced it was like, it was much more of an all body thing and it felt much more, more right. And I had very similar, I had that uh, when my partner came that one time, well, mm -hmm. more than one time, but, um, but every time, but the first time it was like, yeah, that, that release, I had a release too. It was mm -hmm. not the same thing. Penny's, it was entirely different. Penny's breaking again. He went more than one time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it's very to him it really is it's like he he's like yeah i'm ready to go again it's like let's see let, let's put that to the test yeah and god bless was. so okay like i got 60 years of, of, of catching up to do well, <laughs> okay so pre-hrt you come you're done and you're asleep watching sports center what five ten mm -hmm. minutes afterwards i mean that's that's the way it was in college for me yeah you know but now you know i had this experience with a, i don't I'm not what I'm whatever. I had this experience where I hooked up with somebody back in 2019 and I don't even know how many orgasms I had. Right. And it was kind of like your experience where you just said, Carter, I just, I just kept going and going. I mean, I don't know what came out. I don't know if anything came out, but I know I had just multiple orgasms and my partner's like, uh, and she was just, she was just, she was just content to let me go and go and go. Yeah. But that was my first experience ever having that full body experience like that. And I broke down crying in her arms afterwards. And she was like, oh, honey, you needed that. I'm like, yeah, this has been 40 some years in the making. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's like the difference is so big from, you know, also like, as you were talking about Penny with the goal oriented society, like. I forget until I'm around cis men in any kind of sexual situation. So, I mean, I assume you both know this. I also, I make pornography. That's like um, my primary income. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Uh, and um, I filmed with uh, a couple um, somewhat recently, you know, like a, a cis woman and a, and a cis man. And I'd forgotten what it was like to be around cis men sexually. He came and then he put his underwear back on, you know, like it was like. Did he even take his socks off? That's the big question. Did he wear his socks? <laughs> I don't think he was wearing socks to begin with. Okay, so you, um, got, you got a good one. 
yeah yeah but like you know he came and it was just like he he like stood up and cleared his throat and put his underwear on and i was you know i was like i'm still gonna fuck your wife you know like there's (laughs) (laughs) there's there's still stuff to be done here but it's just like it's such a different way of of existing sexually and like i know i used to be like that you know like everyone jokes about like for for cis men you know like you come and then you you want to to burn burn the magazine you were looking at and never come again um but like it's certainly not like that anymore yeah i used to call it coming and going yeah Um, you know exactly and then yeah and also i never had any of the um you know like the cross-dressing i you know like i've 13 years old and then you know 55 there in between there i was i was completely like butch um so yeah that but i, I am i am also very familiar with the purge uh, syndrome because I've, I've seen a lot of people and talked to a lot of trans women who did that mm-hmm. so yes yeah, yeah like amy yes yeah i wasn't gonna name names amy but if you wanted to like yeah but but you know i want to go back you know but intimacy can also be achieved not through coming not through sex not through anything you know what's wrong with this cuddling and taking a nice nap together, you know, for two hours in the afternoon? I mean, I mean, that's me and my spouse, you know, like we, we cuddle and we kiss and we sleep together every night. And, you know, like that, that to me feels like such a deep intimacy that I don't have with anyone else, you know? Yeah. And those are, those are moments that, you know, as I get older and as I go further in on my HRT journey that become more and more special to me and, you know, ones that I hope that can continue in the future. Yeah. Well, I think that's something like a really good place to end this conversation. So I think we've already done our, our, our cuddling here. Uh, the, 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 the podcast version of the, uh, we, we came, we saw, we cuddled and <laughs> I will, on, on my review card for as far as uh, guests, you know, I will definitely uh, give you high marks again, Carta. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Carta Bonier, thank you so much for being on Transformation Thursday with us again. And we hope to have you come on again sometime because you're just pure pleasure to talk with. I appreciate it. I love this podcast. So I'm, I'm really happy to be a guest. Yay. Uh, you're just yeah, saying that because it's true. I remember, a, I remember a sex store in Wisconsin being called Pure Pleasure, but that's another story altogether. That'll be another podcast sometime. <laughs> Good night, Amy. Good night, Penny. Good night, Carta. Good night, Good night Carta. Penny. Good night, Amy. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.